Our team at Focus on the Family Canada has handpicked a wide selection of books and resources for the children in your life. We've compiled them for you in our new gift guide for kids and teens. Inside this catalog, you'll find the newest Adventures in Odyssey albums and book series, along with our faith-building magazines, Brio, Clubhouse, and Clubhouse Junior. Share the joy of knowing Christ with your kids. Find the gift guide at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Well, today on Focus on the Family, we're going to hear from a husband and wife who appeared to have a perfect marriage, and they raised a loving Christian family. They were active in their church, involved in ministry, but there were hidden sins below the surface that really threatened to tear this family apart. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and our topics today are probably not going to be appropriate for young children. John, I appreciate that subtle warning. And, you know, at times we need to get into some nitty-gritty discussions. I think as the Christian church, we often don't do that, and therefore we suffer. Because, uh, you know, I always believe things up on the table are far better than under the table. And the Lord can deal with that with us when we're open and honest. And today's topic is associated to pornography, pornography addictions. And, you know, some of the research that I've read, 60 to 70% of men in the church struggle with this issue. So this is of paramount importance for us to address. Um, Let me give you a quote from someone we know well, a theologian, Russell Moore. He said this, the most dangerous sins to our Christian life are the ones we think are anonymous. And that's not only profound, but deeply accurate. Um, I know that you might be thinking of some hidden sins that you're struggling with. Here's the reality. God knows that, and it's always better, as I said, to get it up on the table and Mm -hmm. talk about it. Today and next time, you're going to hear a story from a couple who did just that, which took a lot of courage and a lot of grit. Yeah, this is really a remarkable story. Uh, Dave and Kirsten Samuel are with us in the studio, and Dave is a former colleague who worked here for uh, 20-some years, uh, and today he provides audio services and equipment and training to a number of corporate and ministry clients. And on the side, he also makes these great wooden uh, handmade pens. That's amazing. I it, like that It's idea. pretty good. Um, Kirsten is an author and blogger. She uh, does some spiritual coaching for wives who have been wounded by pornography and has written a book that's going to be really the basis for our conversation today. It's called Choosing a Way Out When the Bottom Isn't the Bottom. And we, of course, uh, have copies of that at focusonthefamily.ca. And let me add, Kirsten, you also worked here at Focus in the legal department, and uh, we're grateful for the time you were here as well. Thank you. Let me say welcome to both of you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good to be here. All right. um, We're going to dive right into the story because there's so much to this, and the content is going to be powerful. I know it. You you can get that feeling, right, Mm -hmm. John? Yeah. It begins uh, with that image of a perfect marriage. I put that in air quotes. Uh, That was really shattered by the revelation of a hidden addiction to pornography, Dave, that you were struggling with. Uh, First, describe your relationship up to that point. What was your marriage like? What was going on? And, uh, you know, I'm assuming you were happily married for like 25 years, three grown children. Um, where were you at at that point? 25 years, and you didn't really know each other? No. <laughs> yeah. That's the crazy part. Um, we, were, we were just launching into being empty, empty nesters because our youngest was, had just gone to school overseas. Right. And um, I thought we had a, an absolutely fabulous marriage. And we did, to, to some degree. We did. Mm-hmm. 
um, because we never fought. We always right. got along. But um, you had that news, Kirsten. Yes. I mean, I want to take you back to that day. So you're married 25 years. Your kids are all about to be out on their own. I mean, you're thinking, okay, this is cruise time. Now, cruise <laughs> control is around the corner. And yeah. then, boom, you get this call or this Dave comes home. What happened when this hit you? Well, I got home from work, and I was making dinner. Um, our oldest son was home uh, getting ready to head back to college. And like I said, we had our youngest son was already at college. And um, I was making dinner, and Dave came in, and he just he was really quiet, not normally quiet. Yeah. Um, and we had dinner, and he hardly ate anything, which was really odd because he's got a big appetite. So you were noticing. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. something's not, you know. And so I thought, well, maybe he ate his lunch late because I knew he'd had a busy day at work and, you know, there were several things going on. And um, and then after dinner, he went, and, he went into our room and didn't come out. And I was like, so I cleaned up and went in the room and I looked at him and he's laying on the bed. And I, I said, I still remember I had a dish towel in my hands. Why I remember that, but I do. Um, and I said, what's, what's the matter? And the next thing I heard come out of his mouth was, well, it's very likely I won't have a job tomorrow. Hmm. And I just, I, I was just shocked. And, um, and I said, why? You know, the only question I could come up with was why? And he said, because of a moral failure. And my knees gave way. Hmm. And I, you know, I hit the bed. And he, then he proceeded to tell me what had, had happened just a few hours earlier. Dave, let's get you in here. I mean, maybe you can describe, as you started to a moment ago, just describe what you were dealing with, why it caught you and carried you away. And then, you know, to connect with the guys particularly that are listening, that double life. I mean, it, we're all susceptible to this. So it's not, you know, you made it. And I'm proud of both of you for getting there, for choosing the right path of reconciliation and rehabilitation. And we're going to get to all that. But in this moment, this is the moment that the offender fears the most, right. that you're found out, you're mm -hmm. discovered, the ugly side of this. Just help us understand that, that emotion of that and what you felt like and even telling Kirsten what that felt like. Give us an idea. All I can say is just there was a, a range of emotions from panic to humiliation to shame. It was, you know, that, that flood of, you know, oh, no, I, I have been found out. And, you know, for years I had tried to do it myself you know, to take care of things myself and, okay, I'm, I'm going to be good. and Keep and it under control. Yeah, keep it under control. Or eliminate, or eliminate it. it. And, you know, two, three months would go by, be fine, and then something would trigger and, and it, would, it would come back. So there had been that cycle of wanting to get rid of this for years. And so I, I confessed it there, and that started the snowball. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, make sure... Again, I'm trying to sit in that place of someone listening that may be in that spot. And they're saying to themselves, I, I can manage this. They're where you were back before you were found out. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, okay, episodically, you know, there's times when I, you know, I slip and, you know, but I shake it off and, you know, I'm ready to go. Speak to the adjectives of addiction. How, how would a person know they're addicted? 
Well, there's that cycle of what we call is a cycle of shame where you're great, you know, everything's, everything's going well, and then something triggers and you fall into sin, and then you feel the shame and the guilt of that, and then you say, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore, and then you, you start feeling better, and then you're at the top of the cycle where you're feeling great, and then something else triggers it. And but it just, just keeps it, working. It keeps going that around wheel. and around, mm-hmm. right. And you cannot do it by yourself because it's just there's – it's too difficult to do that. You need others. You know, there's a reason why James talks about confessing your sins to one another and praying for each other that you may be healed. There is – healing and there is strength in numbers yeah. you know you look in the animal kingdom and it's the the wolves that get the one animal off away from the herd yeah they pick it off right mm-hmm. and and that's the lie that many that are in addiction whatever it is yeah it, it, that's the, all right so we have this tension we're feeling it listening to your story i mean you're coming home you've been married 25 years you're almost empty nesters and dave comes home with this news that he may get fired because he's addicted to pornography and the workplace found out what were your first steps in dealing with this besides that emotion that we just heard from both of you i mean your weak need collapse Mm -hmm. which every spouse would have i think that's Mm -hmm. reasonable Mm -hmm. it's a broken heart all of a sudden and i would say uh, kirsten i want to hear your your response to that sense of betrayal I mean, what went through your mind in those next few hours about the man you've been married to for 25 years that you really didn't know? I went, you know, I describe it as when I think back, and it was a nanosecond where I went through this huge range of emotions. First of all was disbelief. Second was, how dare you, followed by anger. Then followed by, you you couldn't have stuck a knife into my heart any harder than that, to know that he exchanged me for pornography. And um, and then, like I said, then anger. And, you know, I look back on it and I think, you know, the Holy Spirit was, was very present with me at that point because the first thing I said was, we need help. You know, and I said, and you have to tell the kids. I said, I'm not telling them. You have to tell them. This is your mess. Right. This is the moment of truth and everything, right? Yeah. I mean, this... It's palpable. I can feel it. I mean, that tension, you have to talk about this. How did that go, telling your young adults? It was rough. <laughs> I mean, it, I have loved being a dad. Sure. And so to bring them in and to say, guys, I have failed big time was really humbling. And not. I really didn't know how they were going to react. Yeah. And, and that was the big thing of – Okay, are they going to disown me and and go into an anger cycle, or or what? Mm-hmm. Like Kirsten said, our our youngest son was was at college, so he was actually out of the country, so we weren't able to talk to him right away. But uh, we did um, call our daughter and son-in-law and and to our son, and um, it was totally different than what I expected. They. Mm. They showed grace, they showed love, they showed forgiveness. And that was huge, because I thought for sure we were going to lose the kids, and mm-hmm. I just didn't want that. The, um, the moment, again, 
Kirsten, were you feeling that forgiveness, or you were oh, no. you, you were in that angry mode? Oh, I was. When I the, was totally. I was. I was in shock, and then I was angry, and right. I went between shock and anger, and and you know, in feeling like I don't. Who is this guy? This is not who I thought I married. Right, and I I think I just wanted to explore that a little because of the spouse that this may have happened to or it will happen to. Mm-hmm. It's completely natural. Yes. It's normal to feel those things, yes. and they shouldn't feel guilty for feeling that. Right. The question is, where do we go? Right. And what do we do? And how do we honor God in all of this mess that you have created? <laughs> I can hear it. You know, I could feel it. Yeah. And and so those are big mountains to climb mm-hmm. for the offended mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to that. How, did you have that resentment? What was? Where did that roll over the next few days, few weeks, few months? Um, the the first thing that I did was. And again, you know, God tells us in his word that before you have asked, I have answered in Daniel. He says that. And as I'm sitting here processing this, and he went down to talk to our son, I said, we need help. And, and immediately a couple came to mind, and it was a coworker of mine and her husband who are counselors. And I thought, we need help. We, we need help now. And I don't know where to turn, but I'm going to start there. And uh-huh. so I mentioned it. You know, I mentioned to Dave, I said, we need help. And I called Kathy and I just said, we need help. She heard me and she heard the tears. In my, and by this point, I'm crying. Sure. And um, she heard the tears in my voice and she said, we'll meet you in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so when he got done talking to our son and then the phone rang um, and I grabbed it and it was our, our son-in-law. We had called to talk to our daughter and son-in-law and um, newly married. They had been married less than two months. Oh, my goodness. And um, and said, well, you know, and they said, what's going on? And I said, well, you need to talk to Dad. And I took the phone down, and I said, you know, it's the kids. And I handed she it to him. tossed it to him. I tossed it to him. I, <laughs> I, I really was yeah. not very nice yeah. at this point. Um, I really was going swinging between that anger and shock and disbelief and resentment and how dare you. You know, right. this this whole thing of, I, I don't want to be around you. I don't know you. And when he got off the phone, then I said, you know, that Rick and Kathy were, would meet us, and we need to leave in about five minutes. And that was the longest car ride I've been in in a long time. Oh, I can imagine. Because I couldn't say a word. Couldn't say a word. Well, and in part, that was one of the things you formulated, it seems, and agreed to a rigorous recovery plan which included uh, regular meetings with what you called a restoration team in the book, about 18 months. So I I love the definitive nature of that so that other couples that are struggling get an idea of, you know, how do we get through the woods on this? You know, Mm -hmm. and it's different for everybody. Right. But it's not short. It's not like next week it's all better. No. You have to really dig in and work. And Dave, uh, one of the common fallacies about pornography is that it's a victimless crime. Mm-hmm. Um, b- b- you've obviously have, have learned that it's not. It affects certainly your spouse and the rest mm-hmm. of your family and mm-hmm. others yeah. too, your employer and all those things. Um, what was your perspective before and then after uh, when you did the counseling? The question that was posed to me that really stuck me because, you know, like you said, it is a lengthy process. And as men, we just want to, okay, we're going to get in, we're going to take care of this, and we're going to be done with it. 
And I remember my counselor saying to me, what is it worth to you for your wife to be healed? And that really hit wow, me. What a question. Yeah. It hit me and made me think, okay, I have perpetrated this sin against my wife and you know, also against myself but, and others. The relationships were severed and there was always that taintedness. But what was, what was I willing to do to, make, to allow my wife to heal? Was that an instant kind of heart response that you had, I'll do anything, or did it take you a moment or a little while to think about that? Well, I've always been a sensitive guy, okay? I've always, I've always had that sensitive nature, and that's kind of what played into this whole thing from the beginning. And, um, but so right away I had that pang in my heart of I have, I have really messed this up. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Are you thinking of making a transition from your current ministry position? Before you do, take some time in a quiet place to reconnect with God. Focus on the Family Canada has designed a renewal retreat for couples in ministry. Come visit us at Kareth Retreats a quiet sanctuary where you can receive from God and deepen your connection to Him, your spouse, and your calling. Find rest, find renewal, find reconnection with God. Find out more at carethretreats.ca. This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. We may not be able to attend large events in the same way right now, but that doesn't mean you can't still enjoy this year's Village Women's Conference. On Saturday, November 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, you can watch solo from the comfort of your home or office, or better yet, host a watch party so you and your friends can gather and listen to incredible speakers. And the best part is, registration is free. To learn more, go to thisisvillagechurch.com slash conference. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. We'll continue now with the balance of our programming. Kirsten, let me ask you, again, exploring the feelings that a spouse will have. Mm-hmm. You're in this anger tumult. Your heart is raging in so many directions. Trust has been broken, mm-hmm. that sense of betrayal. I think I'm painting the picture pretty well. Mm-hmm. But then you began to deal with your own guilt and shame. Um, explain that. As a man, I'm not sure that would be my response in a week or two. I would probably get hung up on the, you betrayed me for a while. So help me understand how you turn that inwardly to say, okay, I'm feeling guilt and shame now. Was it about what just Dave had done, or was it more personal to you? Um, it was it was both of those, Jim, honestly. Um, what opened up in me when Dave revealed this was my sense, the wounds that I had, that I had been hiding for many, many years. Um, And they went back to my own abuse situation where I had never dealt with what had happened to me as a nine-year-old child. Mm. 
And so what that did was it said, see, you don't have any value. You're not worth anything. You're unseen. You're unlovable. You know, and it, so it opened up all of this, this can of worms, this yeah. Pandora's box, really. Well, when you said a while ago, the knife could not have gone any deeper into your heart. Mm-hmm. I think we all understand that better now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why. Yeah. Certainly one of the big reasons. Mm-hmm. It was confirming something you had held in your heart for so long. Yes. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not lovable. And I don't matter is what it came to me. And when, when Dave came home and, and told me what the counselor had asked him, and then he said, is that how you feel? And because the counselor had also said, you have wounded her to the core of her being. And when he came home and said that to me, and he said, is this how you feel? It was the first time I was able to say, that's it. That's it. You have traded me, and therefore I don't matter. Hmm. And that's where the knife just went in, and it just dug around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you started that restoration process, um, did you believe that there was hope for your marriage? I'll ask both of you. Dave, let's start with you. I want to say yes. I I wanted to believe at the time that there was hope for the marriage. I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to keep the marriage together and to show Kirsten, yes, I mean business, and I am going to rebuild trust, and I am going to to take care of this. Now, I can't say for Kirsten. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're, good you're the offender, and so I get that, and people are screaming mm-hmm. that right back at us right now. Mm-hmm. And I get that, too. Mm-hmm. But how did you then respond in terms of hope for your marriage? Did you feel it, or no. did you want out? There was a part of me that absolutely abhors the idea of divorce, and I did not want to be a statistic. So there was this pride thing that came into place for me, and I'm, I'm stubborn enough <laughs> that that came into play. But there was also this, I don't know who you are. I'm disgusted by you. I don't want to be around you. And, yeah, I was ready to run. Yeah. What kept you in? Seeing his face after he came back from the counselor. Because at that point, I knew he was serious. Because I could read it. I'd, okay, we'd been married for 25 years. I could read him pretty well by this point. I mean, obviously not that great because I didn't know about the pornography. Well, but Right, but um, uh, <laughs> you know, he kept that from you. Right, but, but there was at this point, there was something in his demeanor, there was something in his manner that said, he's serious this time. This is going to happen. And that was an inkling of hope. The other one was when we, the very first day, that within two hours of when he made that revelation, Rick and Kathy said to us, this does not have to be fatal. And that was an anchor for me to hold on to. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. Just that comment yeah. mm-hmm. gave you enough of a line of sight yeah. to the future. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Kirsten, I do want to ask you uh, how God confronted you about your, your wedding vows. <laughs> I mean, that sounds odd at this point. People are going, What? <laughs> How did God use your wedding vows to bring that back to you and say, wait a minute? Well, to the little preface to that was we told you that our son was overseas in school. And so we had to leave a message for him, and he called, um, he called 
and talked to us, and Dave told him what had happened, and he said, well, I forgive you, Dad, and he was, again, he was very gracious. But about two to three weeks later, I got a phone call, and it was our son from overseas, which was, you know, weird. And he's talking, and, and and then all of a sudden he said, Mom, do you love my dad? And uh, that started God taking me through my vows. Because when he asked me that question, we had, we had met with our restoration team, and God had begun his work in me long enough that I could see the hope. And I could tell my son, honestly, I love your dad because love is an act of the will. It's not an emotion. Because right now I can't stand him. I don't like him at all. But I love him because I made him a commitment. And then God took me through my wedding vows, line by line. And these were the traditional vows. And as we worked through, as God took me through that, you know, I had to say, okay, yes, Dave has kept, you know, forsaking all others. Well, no, he didn't keep that one. You know, and, and I got really upset about that. But God said, neither have you. And... I love reading. I'm a reader. You know, I love story. And God reminded me of some books that I had read where there was just enough titillation in them that my thoughts were not toward my husband. And scripture tells us if you think it in your mind, you have committed it. I was guilty. So I couldn't throw a dart at him because I was just as guilty. And as we worked through those vows... And as we got to the end of it, the, the question that, came, that God kept saying to me was, am I big enough to heal your marriage? Huh. Now, either I believed God was big enough and I believed he was who he said he was and said he is, or he's not. And so that's a spiritual crisis right there. Oh. Man, I think we've painted the picture, and we're going to come back next time and talk more about your story. And I think uh, the twist of this, Kirsten, and we're certainly not ignoring you, Dave. I mean, you you play a significant role here, but it's how God began to work on your heart specifically. And it's a beautiful story of really the older brother Mm -hmm. in the prodigal son story, Mm -hmm. his hard heart Mm -hmm. toward his sinner brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do want to pick that up because it's so restorative. And, you know, there were two prodigals in that story. That's the irony. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you yep. have walked that out. Uh, Dave, obviously, the younger brother in that context. But you had the older brother tendencies, mm-hmm. and we're going to cover that next time. Man, if you're in any spot where something has become an idol in your marriage, it may be an addiction to pornography. It may be something else. The Concepts in this book, Choosing a Way Out When the Bottom Isn't the Bottom, is for you. And you can order the book directly from Focus on the Family Canada. And when you do, those proceeds go right back into ministry. They don't go to shareholders. And so please be generous with your support for Focus Canada and order the book today. And we do hope you'll contact us to get a copy of that book, Choosing a Way Out, or if you need to, to talk with one of our counselors. While we have you on the phone, let us tell you about resources like Hope Restored, which is a terrific marriage-intensive program. Thousands of couples have gone through this, and they've found hope for their broken marriages on the brink of divorce. 
It's an incredible program, and Hope Restored might be for you. We also have a No Porn podcast series by Dr. Greg Smalley that goes more in-depth about the impact of pornography and how couples can find healing. All of this and more when you call 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Dave and Kirsten, thank you for being with us today. I am really looking forward to tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we continue the conversation and once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.